Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like the Philadelphia Phillies, are surprised to still be alive. My <laughs> name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Saborka. Uh We we still here. Uh, this is <laughs> this is our house. This is our house. Indeed. This is our house. This is our house. We're we're still here. We're we are still here, and. <laughs> While we're still here, we are going to we're going to be talking about the coaching staff mix-ups. Wow, mix-ups. lots of news! Wow, lots of news. Uh, gold gloves and the World Series. If you have an idea for the opening joke, tweet us at TalkAboutBirds. Uh, ben, we've got a surprising amount of information to talk about today. My goodness. Um, a lot has dropped. But um, before we talk about that, I have to tell you about a good deed I did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> don't don't hurt yourself, you know, patting your back too hard. Um, uh, I, what? I just thought... I don't know why I've decided. I just decided to tell you about this on on air. This was not cool. planned, but um, right. there's something something that I did today. So we found a backpack uh, on like our basically in our front yard on Sunday. All right, and it was we could tell that un- unfortunately it seemed like someone had probably re- stolen it from someone else and then like dumped it, you know. And so we found because it, it was like open and. And there was like a MacBook charger in there, but no MacBook. And we're like, ah, shit, you know. So we're we're trying to see if we can figure out who it belonged to. And uh, we found a COVID vaccination card, so we got the person's first name. But it was oh, a so you're tracking name. them, huh? Yeah. So I know all their. So now I'm uh, holding it uh, hostage, and that's a good <laughs> deed I'm doing. Okay. Uh, but the name was really generic, and so we couldn't really find it through social media. So. There was another piece of evidence in the backpack that gave me an idea of where this person might work. So I called the place today to see okay. if they have an employee by the name of this person. And they did. And then the guy, they gave him my number and he called me back like an hour later and I'm giving him his backpack tomorrow. And he was so grateful, even though I learned that there actually was an iPad and a MacBook uh, in it. And ooh. now there's not. But there was a, a a button on the front of the backpack that the guy was really worried about, and yeah. it is still there. So um, I don't really know what to what end. I guess I'm just proud of being a little 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 boy detective here. Yeah, got up my got my big big magnifying glass out and solved the crime. Yeah, did you uh, tell him to listen to the pod while you were talking to him? Of course. Um, <laughs> and tomorrow, and when when. Uh, <laughs> When he comes, always be plugging. Yeah, always be plugging. When he when he picks up the backpack, um, I'm gonna snag his phone from his hand and subscribe and rate and review. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or I could say I won't. Ah, now you're here. This is your backpack. I'm not giving it to you until you subscribe to Talking About Birds. <laughs> and then when he subscribes, you'll produce an iPad and a MacBook. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll actually buy him a new one. Set, <laughs> I, I, I set back the Patreon by 
eight years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good idea. It's a good well, use of uh, company funds. That's, you know, Nate, and I know you didn't say this. I know you're not fishing for compliments. You're not that kind of guy. Well, we could use more people like you out there in the world. Look at you looking up for your fellow neighbor, for your brother on this plant, this spaceship called Earth. You are just, just wow. That is exactly why I wanted from this, Ben. And you walked right into it. So I, I'm in awe of you, sir. <laughs> Uh, well, he was very grateful. He said most people would have uh, probably picked it up and said, fuck off to this thing. And then said, we tracked it. You know, Molly helped me with this, too. Of course, yeah. we tracked him down. So, uh, you know, it was very little effort on. our. I mean, other than like my high end detective sleuthing. But, you know, ultimately <laughs> it was like yeah. not a lot of work and, you know, helped out someone. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's like a 50 50 shot. I'm just tossing that into my neighbor's yard and going inside. <laughs> so good for you. <laughs> He's lucky the MacBook wasn't in there, or else I'm keeping that shit. Oh, baby. No. no. So, uh, but yeah, so anyway. Um, thrilling. That's what. Thrilling yeah, tale. What Thank you. Thrilling, yeah. What a thrill. Yeah. What a thrilling <laughs> tale. Um, well, uh, we are super good at scheduling our recording times, like right before anything important happens regarding the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, how many times have we talked for a lot of our time about some topic only for like two hours after an episode releases or even gets on recording for them to make an announcement? Like one that's I was remembering earlier, we spent like 15 minutes breaking down Michael Conforto, talking about why he would be a great signing for the Cardinals this offseason. We couldn't understand why he hadn't been signed yet. Like Cardinals go get him. We got done recording and then like two hours later it was announced that he had like crazy shoulder surgery yeah. and was out for the <laughs> yeah. so anyway. Uh um, ended up not even playing this season. Not even never, playing. never even touched the bigs. Yep. And uh but anyway I say all this to say uh finally for once at least uh we had the opposite happen uh today yeah. About an hour before we started recording, the Cardinals announced a press conference and a whole slew of things were announced and really coming off the heels of something that had already been announced um, yesterday. So I guess we will start there and talk about uh, um, Skip Schumacher, fan favorite. Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Schumacher. Michael. Jared Michael Schumacher, yes. Um, he is now the manager for the Miami Marlins. That poor man, but we wish him, uh, yeah. you know, good luck over there. Check, you peep this hat that I'm rocking today. The shout out to Skip. Oh, there you go. I'm rocking nice. the '90s Marlins hat today. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I I think obviously disappoint. It's one of the. It's like. Uh, I imagine if you're a parent and you send your kids off to school, that's intimidating and scary, but you're proud of them for doing it, right? Like, that's kind of how I feel about Skip, who's he kind of went around, did a great job with Cardinals last year, and then immediately parlayed that into a big league manager job, albeit with a, you know, a franchise that is, uh, I don't know, where, where, where do you rank? How do you, what do you, where do you put, uh, I don't even know how to ask this question. What is the Marlins competitive? timeline look like right now because i feel well, like marlins, that's a really hard question to answer yeah the marlins and are. Ask. <laughs> i feel like it was a pretty easy question to ask and it was sure. <laughs> you struggled i got um, there mm, 
but uh the Marlins are an interesting team because they they have you know in a lot of ways you can compare them to like the Pirates or um you know these any other sort of bottom barrel team that just feels like they're constantly in the cycle of of rebuilding um except for the fact that they uh, they do constantly produce like star level players yeah. they just don't do it in bunches or their uh their ownership or management or whatever just decides to sell before they ever really get a chance to like amass these high level players so it's a weird thing where like most of these teams that seemingly have like inept or uh man ownership groups with like ulterior motives like maybe the uh the angels um the the one thing the marlins can do it seems like is develop players so you know they have that new ownership group they have their newer gm you know maybe things are going to be a little bit different in the long term for them though it hasn't necessarily felt that way yet but like I don't know. It seems like a good team for a new manager. You have probably the Cy Young winner. They have a pretty good rotation, um, which might make some of those, you know, pitching level decisions a little bit easier for him in his first year. Um, I can see it working. I mean, not just with the Cardinals. He was a good bench coach with the Padres. You know, he did the normal path. Um, It feels like it was short for, uh, I mean, he's still young. Felt like it was pretty short, only one year with the Cardinals, but he was with the Padres for several years. So, you know, uh, yeah, I think, you know, remembering back to his playing time, it was always like this dude is more about the like mentality of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Greedy Getty white guy for sure. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, I, I don't think it's too crazy to say the Marlins like pretty vastly underperformed. I think what a lot of people thought they were going to do this year, right? Taylor yeah. Rogers, uh, Sandy Alcantara, you know, some of their starting pitchers, you know, some of those guys took a step forward. Some of those guys took a step back. I thought that getting Jacob Stallings and getting um, uh, Joey Wendell um, from uh, Stallings from the Pirates and Wendell from the Rays are two very smart moves. They're kind of veteran guys, like very solid defensively to kind of guide the team forward and, um, you know, to lead that pitching staff. I thought that that was going to be a great little team or not, not a great team, but I just thought they were going to take a step forward. They took a step back. Um, well, they yeah, also, I guess like, in the, to, to, yeah, oops, sorry to be fair to them too. I mean, it, it is, as it turns out, the NL East was like, yeah, uh, was, you know, the most competitive in the NL this year by, by a lot. So they had to play the Braves, the Phillies and the Mets more than anyone else other than the other teams in that division. So I, I just, I like jazz chisholm there. They have some good players. I just don't see their path forward and how they're going. Like the Braves are going to be good for a decade. The Mets are going to be good forever because they have a, the most rich, and spend crazy owner that we've seen in a really long time since a Steinbrenner, um, in the, you know, back in the day, like, I just don't see how they're not to mention, like you were just kind of getting at the Phillies there in the world series. Um, I just don't see how they're going to make a path, but I believe in skip, I guess. Yeah. I mean, isn't that just how it, it usually goes though? You like whoever's at the top of the division, except for like, the NL Central and the AL Central for like a decade now, it's always felt like there's some sort of stalwart at the top of the division. And, you know, it's it's going to take like a fluke for somebody else to get there. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, what else are you supposed to do too? like tear it down rebuild that's all they're ever doing (laughs) oh no i know i know yeah uh i mean i this is a total tangent but i do wonder if like there's a lot of um theory and hand wringing right now about about baseball getting rid of the uh like now doing balanced scheduling and what that might mean for the future of like playoff brackets and whatnot and the idea that that might be a step towards getting rid of divisions. Sure. Um, and I guess I, one thing I hadn't really thought about until just now is like what that would do if you did get rid of divisions, which I'm not really a fan of, but like if you did, you no longer would have to be stuck under like a very specific team for a decade, you know? Sure. Um, you just have to be in the top six which is which is how it was for a very long time i know that yeah. but like um they might be doing that also as an effort to like deal with the uh <laughs> gaps between teams in the mlb right now yeah i mean you just i mean it's it really just comes down to like all these teams have the you know the ability to go get the guy that they want to they the marlins could have retained Giancarlo, marcelo zuna and yeah. uh and uh um christian yelich and and they would probably still be competitive to this day even as those players age with some of the pitching that they have and they could have got but it's the refusal to spend um and yeah i, I to i'll just put a button on your tangent i think my uh i know the only thing i feel strongly about is that rivalries are good divisions help create rivalries that is something that should be encouraged i think yeah. that rivalries will still exist if they do abolish the divisions, but it's kind of nice how ha- it's kind of just built in. Like the Cardinals will always hate the Cubs. That'll be a thing. But if we're not playing the Reds all the time and the Reds go down, is that really going to be something we care about? I don't know. Will another rivalry pop up? Maybe. Maybe it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I suspect rivalries will come mostly from playoff appearances and the outside, like, you know, you're the fifth and the sixth team or the sixth and the seventh team, you know, but there won't be those just like yearly, you know, like the, the rivalry that we did have with the Reds probably never happens because there wasn't that push for first place. Sure. And then, you know, all the stuff that happened within it. But I don't know. So um, back to the original point, though, you know, it's good. Good for Skip. Um, that is now four bench coaches in a row who have become uh, a big league manager. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I know uh, one thing I was going to say uh, on the parody thing, you know, there is the, there is the insane discrepancy between top and bottom teams right now in baseball. But if the Phillies win the world series, that will be 10 years in a row with a different team winning the world series in the yeah. in MLB. So, uh, you know, whether that's a good or a bad thing, you know, kind of depends on how you feel about the best team winning the world series. Uh, but I think it's, uh, I think it's generally a good thing that, that the championship element of it has been very spread out across a bunch of different fan bases. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so skip is out, uh, good for him. And that leaves the bench coach spot as an opening. And also, as we learned today, uh, we need a new hitting coach and a new pitching coach. So, 
And, and a new bullpen coach. And a new bullpen coach. Pretty surprising after a you know a very successful season. You know, you don't usually see a almost entire full house cleaning of your senior level uh coaching staff after uh, winning the division af- after winning 93 games in the division yeah. you know and uh and especially for Ali to still be there like when these things happen usually it's like we got them all out you know we needed a we needed a a, a fresh change so uh pretty surprising but it seems like they're kind of all for their own uh reasons i i want to start with talking about the one that actually was the least surprising to me if not still kind of surprising which is mike maddox yeah um i i kind of thought this would happen multiple times already not out of any like he you know he's good he's fine i think he has a good relationship with the org and with the fans and everything he's just been doing it for so long i've i've been waiting for something like this like i'm ready to be done at the major league level and i you know to me, this is more of like a retirement, to so yeah. to speak, than maybe what some of the other guys are. He's 61 years old, and, and essentially what Mo said in the presser today was that he actually wants to remain in the organization. He'd like to maybe move into an advisory role with the club. He doesn't want to do the daily grind anymore. So we'll learn more of what that looks like. And I could see him being you know, a special assistant in spring training and maybe roving around the minor leagues at some point, but not you know spending the 162 on the road, you know, and then the playoffs and, and that all makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, like I just said, he's, yeah. he's getting older. I, yeah. I, I think it all makes sense. And, uh, I think, um, you know, everybody speaks highly of him, which is great. Jordan Montgomery. We talked about that a few weeks ago about the great kind of influence he had on Jordan Montgomery and the confidence building and all that. But yeah, I think, uh, he's an old school guy. It might be nice to get some fresh blood in there. I don't really have any direct complaints, but, uh, yeah, like I think, you know, something we were talking about on the bird court earlier today before we hopped on was um, wouldn't it be nice, you know, to kind of get some type of pitching coach or, or leadership or however you want to phrase it that is maybe more adept at getting those younger guys to grow? You know, we've kind of been complaining about that on and on, not even complaining, but just noting all season that. For a while now, the Cardinals haven't really shown a great job at developing pitching at the major league level and and getting guys like, you know, that are in the minor leagues right now and Alex Reyes and some other names to be kind of regular big league starters, at least what we would think that their uh, pedigree and their experience of the minors would lead them to develop, develop into. Yeah, we, I mean, we've been talking about that all year, really, and... Um... You know, it's hard to lay that at the feet of anyone. Um, you know, sometimes it's just hard to pitch at the major league level. It's hard to develop <laughs> pitching at the major league level. But Great it is, points all around, yes. Thank you. Uh, it is, you know, pretty interesting that, like, the entire Cardinals rotation this year, everyone that was considered successful in the rotation this year basically were not St. Louis Cardinals uh, other than Wainwright who obviously is has been doing it for 40. 20 years yeah. <laughs> and Michaelis, which you could maybe call a success story, but I almost think of that as more of like the, the scouting department recognizing yes. that what he was doing offshore was like highly competitive and they brought him over and he's the same pitcher, you know? Yeah. So like that, you know, there's not really anyone that Mike Maddox could 
point to, I think, and say, like, there he is. Like, that's, uh, you know, I took him or we, the organization, took him and made him a highly successful big league starter. I, you get the, you know, the bullpen is another story, but that is also yep. just a totally different style of pitching. So I don't know. I mean, I think this is probably a good thing, even though everyone really likes him and he always seemed very, you know, I, I think he fits that mold that we like as Cardinal managers, you know, and, and, and Cardinal staff, but like, I'm kind of okay with this one. Let's get another guy in there. Let's see if a new approach will be what what's needed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not so, you know, deluded to the fact where I think that the pitching coach is responsible for the way in which the entire organization goes about pitching. But yeah, I, I think we're in line, like a, a new voice, a more modern voice. Like I, I know this wasn't one to one, but it, it pretty much feels like we went from Dave Duncan to Mike Maddox and there's not really too much difference in that. And obviously Dave Duncan was doing his thing, but um, and would arguably too. exactly yeah. baseball was different yeah. than. Um, and we have more tools now use, use the tools and, and yeah, I, I'm curious to see, I mean, I guess it's really hard to have too much of an opinion until we know who they bring in, but I'll be curious to see who it is. If it's somebody from Ali's past, if it's, you know, outside the organization, what that all looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, as a high level, high visibility position, I assume they will be doing their due diligence on who they select. Um, I don't think there is a clear next guy in line internally, at least not that I'm aware of. So we'll uh, see. Cal Eldred and Mike Matheny both need jobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yikes. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know what Matheny's going to end up doing. Like we talked about him last week. Like, do you consider him a successful big league manager or do you not? Because he's now done it for like 10 years, which yeah. is not common, but also he, has been fired twice and really hasn't had a good team since like 2015. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that 2015 team was so good that I could have led him to those, you know, hundred wins or whatever. They were just a stacked yeah. roster. That's I, I don't, yeah, I, I have strong opinions on that. Keep Mike Matheny out. He was a great Cardinal. Um, but you know, go retire or something. Yeah. Or at least um, don't come back here. So let's talk about Jeff Albert. I think this is the story from all of this. I mean, I, we, we are, we are quick reacting. This oh, is our, yeah. uh, you know, you don't get that a lot in podcasts. Um, but we are, we, we know very little. Um, but it certainly seems like right now he quit because he did not appreciate the fan base's general attitude towards him yeah. which uh let me just say ben we got him who's up next boys did, <laughs> did we no i don't know i i've never I, i've i just wanted to say that because i yeah. thought it might be funny but um <laughs> <laughs> it might be gen it probably isn't yeah. um Generally speaking, I mean, I'm aware we're all aware of the Jeff Albert hate um, every time the Cardinals score like zero or one runs in a game. You don't have to go very far to hear someone saying fire Jeff Albert. Um, but I've kind of always taken that as a uh, a a low researched take, you know, and something that I have considered to be easily ignored. The fire Jeff Albert uh 
well, it's uh, mentality. Just, it's just stupid. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like the, the, <laughs> you, uh, I was like trying to think of other ways to frame it. Low researched and you just, yeah. it's stupid. So, it is right. stupid. Look at the numbers. Like Tyler O'Neill had a breakout season with Jeff Albert, uh, being the hitting coach, Paul Goldschmidt, one of the best hitters of this generation had his best offensive season this year under Jeff Albert. I could say the same thing about Nolan Arenado. Look what Albert Pujols did literally hanging on Jeff Albert in the dugout every time they cut over like they were working together constantly. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Hitters go up and down. The team had a top five offense this year um, and Paul DeYoung is Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung is not recognizing balls and he's swinging through them. That's nobody's fault but Paul DeYoung. Um, yeah. Maybe he can fix that, but. Uh, you can you you can pick out all these little individuals, but if you look back over, I think he was brought in in was it sixteen, seventeen? I can't even remember now. But yeah, sometimes if, if you look back, there there have been ups, there have been downs, there have been some really bright spots, and there's been some negative spots. And I I was kind of curious because like uh, like why all this hate has kind of been wrapped around him. And I went back and I listened to an interview with him. Um, on KMOX, it was the uh, off season that he uh, was hired with. Um, I'm forgetting the guy's name from KMOX. Doesn't really matter. Um, but you know, he was talking about how he came. Uh, Jeff Albert came up in the Cardinals organization and then left and then came back, and he was so excited to be back. And he was talking. His philosophy was analyzing pitch sequencing, finding you know, trying to basically trim down people's mechanics to be quicker to the ball. And, and mental preparation, like, do we disagree with any of those? Like, wh what are we talking about here? Maybe it didn't work for every single person. In that interview, he talked about working with Budeska, uh, Buddha, um, and kind of that was a very big uh, or a nice jumping off point so that they were all speaking the same language because Budeska has been in the organization for one billion years. Um but I, I just don't yeah. understand where the if somebody could give me a real factual argument of what he was doing wrong, I'm all ears, but it ain't out there. Or at least I haven't seen it. Well, Ben, Paul Goldschmidt had a pretty rough September. So <laughs> I think uh, we, yes. you got to get him out of there. So uh, no, and, and my favorite take is that the first five months of the season is Jeff Albert's fault for him being so good. In the final month of the season, it's also Jeff Albert's fault for him being so bad. I, I think that's my favorite take. I think this mo more just speaks to just the the average uh, mentality around like leadership in sports and how like the the um, I mean, people were calling for Ali Marmol to be fired after the wildcard series against the Phillies and you know because that's you can funnel all your problems with a team into an individual and so if you think that the Cardinals offense is struggling then it's really easy to say fire Jeff Albert than it is to say release Nolan Arenado or something sure. like that right like it's you can with no consequence you can say fire Jeff Albert and the casual fans will be like, yeah, sure. Fire Jeff Albert. And then like hardcore fans will be like, yeah, sure. Fire Jeff Albert. I don't care. It doesn't matter that much. You know, it, it's like a really safe thing to say and be real when you want to express your frustration on social media. 
And so I think ultimately the, like the most surprising thing to me from all of this is that Jeff Albert like cared, which that is shocking to me, which I should say, like, we're all humans. I would, you know, I think we're naive if we think that people don't read these things and internalize it to some degree because you want, like, it's a competitive thing. Everybody in this is competitive. Surely what you would love is to go look your name up and it be like, everyone loves you, but that's just not the reality of leadership in sports. And like, I would have expected someone in his position to be pretty immune to that or like recognize that if he has, if it's causing those feelings for him to be able to like not engage, you know, he was part of Bangate with the Astros. Like if those guys all got drugged through the mud, they continue to be drugged through the mud. The reason that all of America outside of Texas is going to be rooting for the Phillies isn't because the Phillies are great. It's because everyone hates the Astros. He was on that team. He was part of that whole thing. He can handle that, but he can't handle. I find it absolutely bizarre. I'd love to hear it in his own words. Um, That is kind of translated through Mo, but that's where I think we're going to find out. I think we'll find out more that like, you know, I have to imagine that we'll find out more. I mean, because even the most fervent fire Jeff Albert, it's not like, you know, he was being pressed by reporters. Like for the most part, the Cardinal coaching staff is generally protected and like Ali gets tough questions, but it's not like you have Albert being up there being like pressed by, you know, difficult questions. It's mostly just Twitter and shit. Also, they they were like, willing to reinvest in Albert, you know, like they, they were Mo talked about how he wanted to re-sign him. I know that there was some friction with him and Schilt that was kind of weirdly and lightly reported on last year, but Schilt's gone. Um, so yeah, I find it very fascinating. Um, I cannot believe a major league coach is leaving because of internet pressure. I just find that like, I I'm baffled by that. I I'm baffled. Not only is that apparently true, but that that was shared with the media. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I, and you know what? I guess we'll see. Maybe he follows Skip to Miami, smaller market as far as baseball fandom is concerned. And he can go down there and implement his changes and, and do his thing and be successful. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Bizarre. I mean, he wouldn't he wouldn't be the first to complain about difficult media environments. I mean, that's uh, everybody who plays in New York who has a, a single bad week complains about difficult media environments. Joey, Joey Gallo had that breakdown earlier this year. Not a breakdown. Yeah. That's overdramatic. But uh, he was, yeah, I get that it's difficult. Yeah. I guess I just didn't think it was that bad here in St. Louis. <laughs> like, right. You know, like, yeah, it's a bunch of ding-dongs on Twitter, but like that is the most easily avoidable uh, group of people. I know. Uh, yeah. So, um. But anyway, we got him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Take a hike. Yeah. Uh, so I hope it, whoever we get is good. I know. Big opening. <laughs> I feel like that one, because it is such a system that they're trying to employ, it wouldn't surprise me if that's an internal promotion, even though I can't, right. I don't necessarily know who would be the, um, you know, the top um, candidate for that. But like, I mean, probably Buddha. Yeah. Right. You know, today that's probably the answer, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm on team, uh, Yachty bench coach, uh, Pujols, uh, hitting coach, <laughs> Wayno, yeah. uh, part-time, uh, pitching coach and sure. part-time rotation. 
Uh, well, so I, yeah, and I I'm sure you're you're extremely serious when you're saying that. Um, but yes. you know, my my response to this is I, I think we should expand the coaching staff. I want to see a couple of hitting coaches added, a couple of pitching coaches. I, I saw a uh, I can't remember which team off the top of my head, but there's a team that just hired an offensive coordinator. Like, give me it, give me more brains in there, more information, more ability to one on one with the players to explain the information and how they can use that in a way that they can be effective. Um, I, I'm all on board with that. Yeah, I agree. We talked about that last week, and I think we left off saying that we don't really know what the rules are for how many coaches you can have in the dugout are. And I think we still don't know that. So we well, are. I know the Giants had like 15 this year. Yeah. yeah. So I don't well, know if yeah, there is a limit. And it doesn't you know, probably matter that much if they're in the dugout versus like down in the clubhouse. Right. Um, you know, obviously with Astros had their uh, their uh, trash can observer down in the uh, clubhouse forever. So. Gotta be. That's a great job, right? I feel are like you, I'd are be you, really good at staring at, uh, at at hitting a trash can with a bat. Yeah, if if you're the trash can operator, are you are you making six figures? Or are you like an intern? That's a so I, on the one hand, I'm like you got to pay them well, or else they're going to turn on you, right? You know. But on the other hand, you know, like there's so many people who would just want to be there and want to be a part. Oh of yeah. It. You could totally exploit someone and and say like, you know, you're making ten bucks an hour. Helping or <laughs> Shut the hell up and hit this trash yeah. can. <laughs> hit this trash can when we tell you what. To, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Let's let's see if we we should get some investigative journalism going on and see how much um, the person who was hitting the trash can was getting paid. Although yep. I think it was a player, wasn't it? They would like they, they'd often have a player down there just. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, um, anything else on the coaching staff you wanted to talk about? Uh, Ryan Eversgird, who is a longtime uh, bullpen coach, is being reassigned as a special assistant within the organization. Um, I think my guess, this hasn't been said, but he's also kind of a- aging a little bit and is probably tired of the uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, you know, the travel and, and the grind and all that. I also like. I, I have to wonder if there is some flavor of this, not entirely, but I don't know, 10%, 20% of this is like Ali had a successful year and he kind of wants to have his guys. He inherited every single coach except for Skip. Skip was obviously on his way out and he kind of took this as a partial opportunity to, you know, bring in his own people to have his own kind of squad around him. So be curious to see how this all plays out. And I'm sure we'll learn a lot more, especially after the World Series. Uh, generally, you know, the MLB doesn't want you making all these announcements when the games are going on, but we have a whole week of no baseball programming, which I was planning on planning about later, but anyways, I'll see. Yeah. The MLB doesn't like it for you to make announcements during the regular season and or during the playoffs, unless you just gotta fire your, uh, manager, you gotta get Mike Schultz out of there. (laughs) You can't wait a few Uh, days longer. You gotta get it done. (laughs) That anniversary is coming up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, I, it was the mid CS series. Oh, you're right. Yes. Yep. When, when he got fired. Like Bye. on the day of, it was like on the day of like a game six or game seven too. Yeah. Cause I know uh-huh. they had to make, they had asked special permission to make the announcement. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, well already kind of talked about it, but, um, you know, that's a huge shakeup and we'll see where it goes. I think it has a possibility to be good overall for the organization. As you said, I also hope for an expansion. Um, but mentioned in this discussion, 
what I think we both agree is, is, is an objectively good thing is yeah. that Adam Wainwright has resigned. We don't know the details yet, but it's all, it's all going to be plus or minus five from what he was making last year, you know? So yeah, probably nothing too important for us, but yeah. like, um, you know, we, we said last week, we expected this to be answered by time we recorded next week, got it in under the wire was resolved like an hour before we started recording. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's much more to say than what we said last year. This does, or last week, this does start to make the rotation crammed and start to build, I think, that permission structure that the organization is going to use to not go and sign someone like Rodon, which was our prediction. But at the end of the day, I'm give me Wainwright. You know, like, I, I'm I'm happy yeah. for it. And I, I think... I think he's on this backdoor Hall of Fame path. Yeah. And, you know, these these sorts of seasons are what are going to get him there. So uh, I, I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue with it. Uh, it'll be happy. It'll be nice to have him back. I do think that you're right, though, is it probably shuts the door as far as acquiring another starting pitcher. Um, I would say that Quintana is probably d- is still in the conversation. I would not be shocked, uh, but maybe surprised just because of like, What's the status of Matt's? What's the status of Dakota? What's the status right. of Jay Flair? You know, there's just a bunch of question marks out there. What I do think that this uh, does is it really it, it bumps up catcher and uh, outfielder, or uh, I, I guess I'll say catcher and bat uh, to be the priority of the offseason as opposed to a starting pitcher, um, which is interesting and I, I think somewhat exciting. And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to complain about the Cardinals having a better offense and a better catcher. So that that's all fine and dandy, but yeah, definitely interesting. And, and like I said, changes the focus. Yeah. Yeah. So I will see. I mean, this is one, um, big sort of domino of this off season that we all kind of thought we knew what the outcome was going to be. Um, and here it is. So that's one down. Yeah. The next one is the Arenado question, <laughs> which I mean, you know, we got to milk this news for as long as we can, because the one way or another, it's going to be resolved soon because he yeah. has until five days after the end of the World Series to make a decision. Yeah. So we've you know, probably got it at most like another two weeks or so before we we have definitive answers. But we did get a little bit of insight today. So, Ben, do you want to share um some of the insight we learned today. Yeah, I'm just going to read. Uh, this is a tweet that came out before we started recording from uh, a little tweet thread from uh, Cardinals uh, MLB.com beat writer, uh, John Denton. And I'm just going to read it verbatim. Uh, Arenado's decision to return or opt out of his contract said, uh, I don't think it's about, uh, this was Mo, sorry. Um, I don't think it's about reworking the deal. It's about trying to, uh, or him trying to use his time and sort through some things. He asked more questions on how we're thinking about the club, uh, what we're thinking about in the future, and topics like how are we going to deploy our resources. It was a very positive conversation. Again, I am hopeful and optimistic that we can come to a place where we're both happy and have that understanding. He just wants a little more time to think through that. Um, and then like uh, the, the ending of the tweet is, like Nate said, Arenado must decide by five days after the World Series ending. So... I think that's interesting. I, you know, I've still the the renegotiating just makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Nolan has the power. The Cardinals have the power at this very moment too, because of the exclusive rights. Just, just do it. You know, lock it up. That being said, if if Nolan is, and I believe him, because Nolan, 
Nolan's got all the money in the world. He's we know that he's a psychotic competitor, which part of me does think is why he wants more money, just because he is a psychotic competitor. But we know for a fact, he said it ad nauseum, the reason he left the Rockies is because their inability to commit to winning. So it makes sense to me that when Nolan has a little bit of negotiating power, he kind of sits down with Mo. And I bet knowing Nolan, I bet they went over the top 30 prospects. I bet that they went deeper than that. I bet they talked about what timelines that people like Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn are on. Uh, Tink Hintz, all these superstar prospects that we've been talking about as the seasons went wound down. I, I bet Nolan was really getting into it. When is Jordan Walker going to be up here? What do you expect from him? What's our competitive window look like? I, I imagine that is how, how those conversations went. Yeah. And they should good for him. Like he, yeah. he's about to commit essentially the rest of his, uh, you know, highly competitive major league baseball time to, a single team. He has the opportunity to check with every team and he should be doing his due diligence with the Cardinals. And if he's not confident, he should opt out. You know, I hate to say that because obviously as a Cardinal fan, we want him just to opt in and just take the contract as it is, buddy. You don't, you know, (laughs) but like, no, no, he should do everything he can to ensure that he's making the right decision. And the Cardinals should do everything they can to prove to him that it is the right decision to stay. Uh, and I think they have a competitive argument, a compelling argument. I think like, you know, I, I, the expanded playoffs system and how random it is, I think almost works in the favor of the Cardinals where you could say like, sure, you could leave us and go play for the Dodgers. But as we've all seen that, you know, regular season success has very little bearing on postseason success. Why not stick with the team that like has a, a a clearer path with less effort to win the NL central compared to like an East or West team. You know, I think there's a lot of arguments for why, if you want to have a shot at a championship, the Cardinals is the Cardinals are, are one of the best teams in baseball to be on. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to imagine, you know, his, what has he got? Six years remaining on his contract. And I yeah. guarantee you, he wants six more shots at the playoffs. And, you know, he's not stupid. He understands exactly what you're talking about. He understands the variability of once you get into the playoff tournament. Um, so I guarantee you, he just wants to make sure, all right, I'm going to have five, six more opportunities. We're going to be here. We're going to be competitive. Um, and then from then on, you know, it's it's up to the players and and doing what they need to do. Like, yeah. I, you know, we, we've seen it play out like exactly what you're talking about this postseason. You just need to sneak in. And as long as you show up at the right time, you can be in the World Series against yeah. the juggernaut. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know it from our own Cardinals experience as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, though, if you're like if you're if you got a shot to go to the Dodgers, like it's hard to turn that down. They've won, you know that they will probably make the playoffs every year for the next 20 years, you know? Um, but anyway, I, I don't know. I'm hopeful. I still think the most likely thing is what you've been saying is the renegotiate. Like we might get a stressful moment where it's like some beat writers are going to fuck with us. Cause they're going to say like, Nolan, Nolan Arenado has opted out and signed a new contract with the St. Louis Cardinals or something yeah. like that. You know, <laughs> um, and if not Jordan Walker or Nolan Gorman, you know, we still have uh, or go and get uh, Trey Turner. Yeah. yeah um, hey, I'm interested. 
So I think we could talk about the the stress and the various outcomes about Arenado uh, for another two hours, um, but we'll pick it back up next week. Um, so I think we we got to move on, um, and we still have plenty to talk about. But before we do, and before we get to break, I have to ask Ben. I've been noticing you have a cast on your finger. What did you do? <laughs> Damn it! Um, ooh, uh, ooh. Um, I okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, damn it. <laughs> um, I was in, uh, new dork shitty as I call it, um, roasted, uh, that whole city right there. Yeah. Uh, no, no, my, my dear, uh, cousin Steph, uh, married their, their beautiful wife over the weekend. We had a lovely, lovely weekend in Brooklyn, um, celebrating them and, and all that stuff. And, we just had a lot to drink all three nights uh it was a wine bar one night and then we went to a rock and roll bar and then it was the wedding rock and roll bar it was called rock and roll bar oh okay um (laughs) and uh and then we had the wedding and that went as it went and then the next night um we had a little happy hour that turned into a all-night thing um Anyways, one of the mornings I woke up and my finger was swollen and I can't bend it. Um, and it's all purple and yellow. Um, and it hurts and I don't know if it's broken or if I just sprained it or if I just jammed it or I I mean, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't feel good. Um, so I've been putting a cast on it. Sounds like you spent a much more time in the wine bar that morning. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I mean, that was as good as New Dork Shitty. So I, yeah, I have no, no comment on that. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, good drinking for you. orange wine in Brooklyn. How, how ridiculous does yeah. that sound? You deserve to break your finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's my middle finger on my left hand, too. I use this all the time, especially when I'm speaking g- with you. I'm going to guess that you lost the cork to one of your wine bottles and thought, oh, I have an idea. And you just stuck your finger into it (laughs) and then you couldn't get it out. And it led to you swinging it around and smashing the bottle over a table (laughs) and it broke your finger. Like, like a bear getting trapped in a honey jar. Exactly. Like a bear getting, which I I know you have also gotten your hand caught in many honey jars over the, over the years. So I would expect you to know how to handle this. Uh, well, I'm good at that. Let's let's good with the wine. It's you know. <laughs> All right, I had to ask. So, um, <laughs> thank you for. Um, I'm not gonna thank you. You, you, <laughs> you the people deserve to know. <laughs> okay. So, uh, speaking of the people, um, this show is supported on Patreon. We have a. Uh, a bunch of different things out there for you on patreon.com slash talking about birds. If you enjoy the show, support it, want to see us continue doing it and continue to grow and, um, you know, just be a part of our community that we're growing. We'd love for you to consider subscribing at patreon.com slash talking about birds. Patrons of any level get access to our private discord. It's called the bird scored. We're having great combos in there. 
Uh, and it's been really bumping today as all this new news has been coming out. It's been a great place to sort of talk about it and get immediate conversation rather than just putting something out on Twitter and hoping that you get a response. Um, we're on there all the time, as well as the people that um, support the show already are in there pretty frequently. So, um, yeah, check it out. And, uh, on that, we are super excited to thank Steven, a new Patreon or new patron who actually is the first to come in at one of the higher levels that offers things like executive producer and the ability to come on the show to uh, to be a part of one of our games. Wow. So uh, we're a little terrified about that, but um, I think it's going to be great. Oh. We're excited. Yeah, I plan on wiping the floor. Yeah, yeah, taunt our new patron, um, <laughs> Frank. I'm based off a of previous performance. I'm pretty much expecting you to get swamped by whoever mm. it is mm-hmm. and whatever it is that we do. Sure. So, uh, so thank you, Stephen. We really appreciate that. And we also have another new patron, uh, which uh, came in just today as we were recording. So that's fun. Um, Mark wow. Longden. So thank you, Mark. We really appreciate it. Um, got a really nice email from Mark too. It's just really, really nice. So, um, thank you yeah. all to the support that we've received. And those of you joining the Patreon, we, we truly appreciate it. Um, outside of that, consider leaving a, a positive review on our, on your favorite podcast platform that helps as well. Uh, Ben, where can people find us online? Yeah. Shout out Mark and Steven. Thanks for joining. We appreciate it. Uh, you could follow us on Twitter at talk about birds. Uh, you could follow us on Instagram at talking about birds. And of course you can email us at talk about birds at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts, questions, musings, uh, if you'd like to bully me for having a uh, broken appendage or anything that, you know, these mean things that Nate says to me, if you'd like to pile on and, and, you know, pour the, pour the dirt on me, go for it. Please do. Um, I also wanted to point out that uh, that good nice email we re- received, they sent to talkaboutbirds at gmail.com and also talking about g- birds at gmail.com, yeah. which is the safest way to go about <laughs> it because we are stupid. And uh, uh. thinking about it, that one is because we we also own talkingaboutbirds.com at we gmail.com. We just can no longer access it. And Ben and I both work in technology outside of this. You'd think like yes. we know how to do them and we are blacked out from uh, or blocked out, maybe because we blacked out from uh, <laughs> from the talking about birds at it's gmail.com. Asinine. I had I had like four service requests in with Google and they just won't they won't they give just it to won't. us. Yeah. I could so, spend the rest of the episode complaining about Google. <laughs> so they, uh, so it was smart sending uh, it to both. They both technically come to us, but we can only see yeah. uh, talk about birds at gmail.com right now. So uh, maybe someday we'll regain access to that old email address. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we want to touch on the gold glove announcements. Um, I think, you know, last year the Cardinals set a record five gold gloves on a single team. That was awesome. We really did not expect that again. Um, I frankly am surprised that there were four. Uh, so yeah. we we had the the ones that were expected. Uh, Arenado, 
and then and Goldschmidt finalists. And then I assumed Tommy Edmond would be on there somewhere, um, but he actually has been nominated twice, once in second base and once as the new utility uh, gold glove, which is a great addition. Um, and then the big surprise, though not if you were really watching, but I think yeah. just how these things go, you know, I think we were all pretty surprised that Brendan Donovan was also nominated or is also a finalist for the utility man gold glove. So the Cardinals have two of three people nominated in the utility uh, uh, gold glove award, which is really cool. And I'm excited for Brendan Donovan. I mean, what a, ultimately what a fantastic rookie season for him. So it really um, was. And, And I guess like, I'm curious if you're voting for the, the gold glove finalist, would you prioritize the fact that Brendan played in the outfield, third base, second base, shortstop, and first base, or would you value to the level that Tommy plays second base and shortstop? Like, if you had to, which which methodology do you value higher for that specific Gold Glove? I do think that's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with a new Gold Glove that prior that like highlights the fact that these guys are all over the place and you know, already in the first one, now we have someone who's been nominated for both. Yeah. So I have to imagine that like as a voting group, people are going to basically made a decision on like voting for um, Edmund in one place and, and Donovan in another, but like enough people voted for Edmund that he ended up in both of them. But anyway, um, I, I mean, I think, I, that's such a hard answer yeah. in this <laughs> in this specific case. I think I would end up voting for Brennan Donovan for utility. Um, and then I would vote for Edmund at second. I'm obviously being a little bit of a homer there so that both Cardinals get a, yeah. um, well, I mean, love, but like to, uh, to be pedantic about it, like Tommy Edwin Edmund is more of a middle infielder. Well, you'd have to say Brennan Donovan is more of a utility player because he is being utilized. Yeah were but yeah i don't know interesting i guess we'll find out that's why i would vote for donovan because yeah he played everywhere yeah. you know and we know he probably could have played he probably could have played everywhere if it was truly a, a need yeah and edmund swapped between you know two positions basically but played them both at at an elite level so right um i think that everyone on this has a real shot to win i think there's a good chance that the cardinals end up with four but i think Realistically, it's probably three. I suspect that um, Arenado, Goldie, and Edmund will win somewhere, and then I'll be kind of surprised if Donovan actually wins. But yeah, uh, Dan's B. Swanson had a very, very nice year at shortstop, so he might take that one from him. And but yeah, we'll find out. But yeah, I totally yeah. agree. It'll be really surprising if Edmund doesn't win anywhere and Donovan wins the utility one. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, there should just be an award for getting nominated for two different gold gloves. That's that's I, wild in itself. I mean, yeah. first of all, that's first ever, I'm guessing. Well, I don't know if I should say that. Maybe we should look that up. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought that too, but certainly there's been, I don't. I think it's happened before people have yeah. split the season between two different positions, yeah. like a Tommy Edmond being nominated for short, like shortstop and second base would be the equivalent. Right. I do believe that that has happened, but um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, again, everyone knows how well-researched this show is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you had a bit of like a bozo the clown quality to that laugh. <laughs> Making fun of my laugh, Nate. That is. <laughs> I, I, wasn't, just, 
now that nice. is that is sorry for expressing mean. joy nate that is being mean to bozo the clown what if i like bozo's laugh yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime somebody compares somebody to Bozo, it's always complimentary. <laughs> so thank you, pal. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, all right. Let's go on. So, yeah, let's go on. Uh, the World Series is happening as everyone predicted. You've got the Houston Astros against the Philadelphia Phillies, two dynasties. Um, you know, too constant, you know, how many times have we talked about the Phillies in the world series? So this is what everyone was expecting. Um, actually I think it's an interesting matchup, right? You've got kind of the juggernaut, um, the team that does everything well against yeah. the team that doesn't historically do everything well, but has been doing it all very well in this playoff series. Yeah, I think, well, I think. I, uh, well, how to like, we, we've talked about this a little bit, but I think obviously the Astros are the favorites and I don't think there's really too much to dive into there. The only real point I want to make about the Astros is that their one through seven is ridiculous and there's not a bad pitcher on their roster. Uh, they can right. deploy any of their pitchers and you're never like, Ooh, we're, we're downgrading here. It's more just like, to which degree are we being awesome? Like Ryan Stanek threw like 60 innings out of, of a one seven ERA. And he's probably their second to last guy out of the bullpen. And he throws close to a hundred. Like they're just stacked, especially on the pitching side. All that being said, you know, Verlander hasn't had a great world series history. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's obviously a small sample size. I think it's like 48 innings of a five ERA, something like that. But you know, he can obviously turn that around. I wouldn't, I don't really like the idea of betting against Verlander, but to take it back to the Phillies, I think like what we need to recognize is that their lack of depth is less of a problem in a series. Although this is likely to be a longer series. Um, Nola and Wheeler are, uh, as good as it gets, which the Cardinals learned firsthand. Um, but really, I think the differentiator for this team that is that makes them different from the team that they were in the regular season is Schwarber is absolutely clicking right now. We saw him hit one of the furthest balls in baseball uh, against the Padres, 488 feet. And Bryce Harper is locked in Bryce right now. Um, I know you and I are both huge Bryce fans. We think he's great. Cardinals should have signed him, blah, blah, blah. But uh, when he is locked in, I, I mean, he is top five player in the league. Um, I know he's not playing, you know, uh, defense right now because of the elbow. But I, I still believe that. I think he is the best player going into this World Series. Um, and, and there's some other players that you can we could argue a little bit about. But I do think that that's true. Yeah, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player in his prime, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good way to contextualize it. Yeah, he, he good. I, I, I don't know that there's anyone else in this matchup that you would call that yet, right? I think there's a lot of guys Altuve, on the Astros. Maybe Altuve is out of his prime, though. I guess. Yeah, and um, you know, I think some of the Astros' young guys, you know, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, um, these types of guys are on that path, but they're still really young. Yeah. Harper is smack dab in the middle of like this should be when he's the best and he has been, he's got like a 1.5 OPS through the playoffs. Yeah. And, um, he's great. And so, yeah, they probably have the best position player going in. 
or our best bat going in. Although right. again, like the Astros are so good. It, you know, it won't be surprising if Jordan out hits Bryce or Tucker out hits Bryce or Bregman, yeah. out, you know, their whole roster is stacked, but just going in Harper is probably the best bat in the, in the group. Well, and I think, you know, part of the problem that I think the Phillies are going to have and Harper is going to have to do is he's going to have to be patient, Bryce. I I think the quote that was going around after he uh, hit that home run to win it for the Phillies, he took, uh, if you watch that at bat, he took a unbelievably nasty power changeup from Suarez from the from the Padres. And then he belted the next 98 mile per hour outside fastball over the wall, took it. Um, they, I think they call, said, uh, one of the players on the Philly said he patiented it up, um, which is, nice. I think a fantastic yeah. all-timer quote right there. <laughs> um, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to be that super diligent patient Bryce because they're going to want to pitch around him. They're not going to give him much to hit. He's going to have to hunt mistakes. But like I said, he is like 100% locked in right now. Um, so I think he's going to have a great world series. Um, same for Schwarbs. Um, we'll see what Castellanos can do. Uh, but I, I do th- I do see the route in which the Phils win, and that's bashing the brains in with all those power bats yeah. they have um, and, and Real Muto being a factor kind of all over the place. Um, and Nola and Wheeler both pitched 18 innings. Nola and Wheeler have looked fantastic. Uh, this was kind of going around the internet earlier today, but the last time Nola faced the... Uh, uh, Astros, which was about a month ago, he went six and two thirds, uh, of no hit and then gave up a hit. Um, so he has got, you know, some recent success, you know, obviously that can mean something or mean nothing going into this, but can be done. They have, they have the frontline starters and, uh, obviously they're going to employ them one, two, you get up two games quick, or at least, you know, be competitive two games with the Astros and, you know, anything could happen. Anything can happen in a short series. Uh, remember the, uh, the, the 2006 thing that like riled everyone up was, uh, tigers in three. Oh <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see, see how that went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ugh, yeah. So yeah, it should be a good series. Um, and you know, don't worry. We've got plenty of time to sit and think about this series getting almost a full work week off in between uh, playoff baseball. They're so good at, uh, you know, at scheduling and and just basic baseball management. Got to love four days off in a game that's known for being played every day. I don't understand. Like I get that things were pre-scheduled and I understand people fly for the world series and everything like that. But like we are, uh, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> I don't even see there's no is there's no baseball programming for me to watch. Like they yeah. should be. I don't like well, anything. Football, anything should be happening right well now is football has a built in week or even two weeks, you know, in between. But they yeah. do like Super Bowl week, you know, right. and like the players are out there available doing interviews. And it's this whole like hype week leading into the uh, yeah. leading into it. Like if you want to schedule in almost a week in between like the CS and the world series, give us something to hype the world series instead. We're all just like, okay, well we just have to listen to the same momentum argument over and over and over. <laughs> oh yeah. So if they both go in with no momentum, yeah, what, does, what does that work? mean? Does the, the world series just not happen? They play forever. They're going to have to play to 10, 15 games. Yeah. Then, so they um, get the momentum and then, yeah. Okay. I then, get it. Yeah. Yep. 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 
Uh, so yeah, so it's here. World Series is here. It's almost the end of the 2022 season. I guess go Phillies because I don't want the Astros to win, but I don't feel particularly yeah. good cheering for the Phillies either. But yeah, I mean, they're, they've got to be fan favorite by a million. Like it can't even yeah. be close. No, uh, no. America is a, a, our Phillies fans this week for yeah. sure. Uh, well, I'm excited to see Bryce on the biggest yeah. stage. Like yeah. he I, gets so much crap. We've talked about this many times, but I think he's fun to watch. He's so good in the big moment. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see him in the World Series. People were booing him at I was at, you know, game two mm-hmm. um, in St. Louis and people were booing him every at bat. It was like is I guess it's just you're booing the best player on the other team during the yeah. playoffs, but it felt louder than what that normally yeah. is. I was like, man, people just don't like Bryce Harper still for no reason. For no reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about some uh, news that's happened around the league. Um, there has been a few other pieces of, of news. So um, I guess you want to take the, take the first one. Yeah. I think, you know, real, really quick. Um, the Rangers, uh, Texas Rangers, who took a step forward this year, but not not all the way. Uh, they fired their manager, Chris Woodward, and he has been replaced with Bruce Bochy, which I think is pretty exciting. Obviously, three-time World Series winner with the Giants, was with the Padres and decently successful there. Um, slam dunk Hall of Fame manager, I, I think as soon as he retires five years, well, he's delayed that now, um, but five years after he retires, he'll be in the Hall of Fame easy. And I think this is an interesting signing because it's signaling um, that I think they're ready to play. We were talking about this a bit in the bird score today as well. Um, Maybe they go get Judge. Maybe they go get DeGrom. Maybe they go get Trey Turner. Maybe they go get whoever they want to go get. They got a lot of money. They want to push in. They want to start winning. I think they want to knock the uh, Astros out of the headlines. Uh, But yeah, I think it's pretty exciting and I'm excited to see what else they do this offseason. Yeah, it does make their firing of their manager make a little bit more sense to me if they were if they had this in mind, like all right, we'll go and get Bruce Bochy. I get it a little bit more. It still was weird timing to me, but yes, whatever. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. Um and the the last thing we want to touch on before we get to the games, uh been through this in the outline and I just have to I love it. So, um Philly greased up their light poles before the uh, uh, the Phillies, you know, were expected to win the NLCS and head to the World Series. They knew it was Philadelphia, so they prepared by (laughs) by greasing up the light poles, which is so funny in and of itself and worth discussing. But then did you see the video of the dude who still climbed it <laughs> and was sitting up there and they were just <sighs> throwing beers to him Yeah, and he was shotgunning him. They did seven or eight beers that he shotgunned just catching beers at the top of this light pole, which is impressive because you have to assume there's some uh, degree unbelievably. Of ine- yeah. Yeah. Some degree of inebriation to even consider climbing the pole, but enough dexterity to still catch thrown <laughs> beers uh, and not fall. The cops were surrounding it because what do you do other than just wait till he falls and right, maybe yeah. try to maybe try to catch him. But um, I don't know. Like 
I, I, it's stupid, but I guess I kind of love it too. It's just, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, like, what are we doing all of this for if not to go fucking buck wild when your team yeah. finally wins? <laughs> that, that, and also like the part that makes me just smile to myself and, and, and giggle a little, the idea of like a municipal worker gathering a bucket of grease and an extended, like uh, a, a paintbrush or whatever, yeah. they're, like foam roller. Uh, whatever they're using to then go grease up, you know, before the game starts, grease up all these poles. That's no small task. That's a hard day yeah, for me, that, like, whoever that municipal worker is. Um, so and, so and power I, to them. I have to imagine you have to spray it down at the end of the day, too. You can't just leave like oil poles everywhere mm. like they're going to get <laughs> they're going to get so gross. I, like there, there's some mayor. Yeah, some mayor of Philadelphia is going to run on the, the principle of I'm going to put poles on the streets that are easy to climb <laughs> they've got ladders built into them yes you've got pro no that's the kind of politics i can get behind you got pro yeah. climbing and anti-climbing <laughs> without a doubt yeah so well what a what a hero that person is and um we support him wherever he is <laughs> likely in a hospital <laughs> <laughs> yes all right. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Um, before we do, we're going to play a classic game, one that we've all come to know and love. It's called, Who Is This Guy? <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Last time we played this, I famously got you with oh, Royce Clayton. Yeah, people, n no one stopped talking about it. My wife yeah. won't even speak to me. Yeah, rightfully so. And uh, so let's see how you do this time. Uh, if this is your first time hearing this game, I have a series of clues starting incredibly vague and getting more and more specific. After each clue, Ben makes a guess as to who I'm uh, who I am talking about. The only rule is that this person will have played at the major league level for the Cardinals. Um, so All right. we'll go ahead and get started. All right. Who is this it? player? <laughs> He's never tried that before. I almost fell for it. Um, <laughs> this player was born on February 3rd, 1980 in right. Torrance, California. All right. So not that old, but pro he could still be playing. He'd be very old, I suppose. Um, I don't know which part of California Torrance is in. NorCal, SoCal, MidCal, mm. EastCal, WestCal, MezCal, MezCal. Okay, who's forty-two right now? Um, it's not not Matt Holiday. That's around how old Matt Holiday is. Oh goodness, it's just who is around Wayno's age? Um, I got nothing. Absolutely not. I mean, that's a, a super vague clue. I don't know even where Torrance, California is. Um, I will say a name of a baseball player and that baseball player's name is, uh, I don't know. I, I have, I have absolutely no guess. All right. Just skip. All right. No guess. No. All right. Um, this person played. 11 years with 
11 years combined yeah. with the Dodgers, Cincinnati, and St. Louis. Dodgers, Cincinnati, and St. Louis. Um, and he's only 42. Man, that is just does not sound like anyone to me. Um, Dodgers, Cincinnati. Uh, man, I, my brain is completely. You are. Wiped I away. know you're. You're. You're swamped today. Nothing. I got. Uh, skip it again or pass. Okay. Wow. I don't even know what to do with that because we don't normally let you pass. But here we go. All right, this position player was more known for his versatility. Usually in this section of the sort of the game, I start listing off their accolades, their their rankings amongst their peers in given seasons. Uh, this person had very few, but there were a couple. Twice, he was in the top 10 in the NL in singles. And in 2010, he was in the top 10 in errors at second base, range factor per nine at second base, and range factor per nine per uh, per game at second base. Hmm. I can think of, I, I don't know what's wrong with my brain. I can think of nobody in recent history who's played for those three teams. Um... And especially a, a fielding player. Um, so a lot of singles. A, a position player, yeah. Yeah, obviously a not, not a lot of power. Okay at defense, kind of not great. I, I cannot think of anyone in that age range. Um, really blanking here. Uh Chase Utley. I don't know. I, I got nothing. <laughs> Chase Utley never played for the Cardinals, and you know yeah. that. All yeah. right. All right. So um facts four and five are usually intentionally goofy. Um so we know him by his nickname, but his parents went with Jared. Oh, skip. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> He played for the Dodgers? Yeah. I did not know that. Or I do not remember that. Yeah. He went to the Dodgers and then Cincinnati, and then he was done. I don't remember that whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Um, I'm also shocked that he's only 42. I figured he'd be older than that, but no, I guess that makes sense. What's funny is twice after these uh, stats, you said, "Ah, let's skip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I almost was like, oh, you got it. Um, but yeah, so Skip Schumacher. God, the, um, the, 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 I'm looking at his baseball reference now. Played one year for the Dodgers 2013. Did not know that. That, that just absolutely tanked everything. That was, that was horrifying. Yeah. Well, I got you. Uh, well, I guess you technically got this one since you got it on the fourth. Eh, it didn't feel but... like it, though. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so now I just have to, so I have found your weakness. It's like slap hitting middle inter, in middle infielders. I got you with Royce Clayton and I got you with <laughs> Skip Schumacher. So 
Yeah, you de- definitely that is my weak spot. I will agree to that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it uh, for this episode of Talking About Birds. Thank you all again for listening. Thanks again to our new patrons. We truly appreciate it. And uh, if you're considering joining, well, please do. We'd love to have you. Um, a lot goes into this show, and we really appreciate the support. The so- <laughs> appreciate the support. Uh, we'll be watching the World Series, and we'll be back next week, as always, with another episode. And until then, I guess go Cardinals and go Bryce Harper. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.